Hello, guys, and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I think I should do intro every intro like that. You know, just bring it in, just bring it in, people. Um, <laughs> this actually, do you know what? I should have gone for. Good day, mate. Welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. Did that? That see, that's terrible. I've been told time and time again by my guest co-host that my Australian accent is just terrible. And um, of course, I'm talking about my good friend Rich Carter, who joins us today as a guest host. Um, he's he's a British guy himself, but he's been living out in Australia with his amazing family um, for the last few years. Um, he's come over to see us, and I, I was like, "Ah, oh, we can get you on a podcast. That'd be really really fun." So we had a podcast lined up. Uh, we had to reschedule, so that wasn't happening anymore. And he was genuinely like really really sad that he couldn't come on the on the biscuit. So I was like, "Ah, oh, okay. Well, let's see if we can sort something out." So I threw a message out on Facebook and asked if anybody would like to jump on uh, at the last minute. And our guest today, Clay McClanahan, came on as a guest. It, like that day was like, okay, I'll come on. And we did, we had a, we, this episode is fantastic. And it happened so last minute. And it's got a, a guest co-host that's come all the way from Australia. What's not to love about this, this episode? Honestly, it's really wonderful. And um, before we get into it, and no spoilers or anything, but... This is about Kate's book uh, that she's beautifully written. And um, the link for the book is in the readout for this this podcast. Now, I don't normally like to sort of like, oh, make sure you buy something. I don't like to always like forcibly sell things on the biscuit. I think it's a bit crass. But we've set a challenge out on this podcast that to see where in the world we can get people to buy Kate's book and then um, put in the review... Um, on Amazon by the power of the biscuit. So if you want to do us a favor, if you want to do Kate a favor by buying her book and, um, you know, sort of spreading the word of great Shropshire authors, maybe, you know, dig out a few quid, buy the book, um, and on the review, put on there by the power of the biscuit. That'd be so much fun. Wherever you are in the world, the further, further away, the better. So anyway, without further ado, um, I'm going to get on with this, this podcast. Thank you so much to Rich. Uh, for coming all the way from Australia just to do this podcast. <laughs> I joke, I joke. He did lots of great things to see family and friends and stuff, but uh, mostly the shoes of biscuit, of course. Uh, thank you so much, Rich. You were great. Enjoy the episode, folks, and uh, I'll catch you guys at the other end to tell you about some great events that are happening local to you. Hi guys, and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley, and no Verity today. I've, uh, I've, I've exchanged her in for a, I was going to say a newer model, but that'd be a lie. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, today I'm a guest co-host, um, a good friend of ours from Shropshire, but who's now living in Australia, popped by just to say hello. I was like, you got to get you on a, an episode of the podcast. Hi Alex. Uh, it's Rich Carter. All right? Yep, great. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this is this is really good. Uh, I, I thought, oh yeah, Rich, while, while you're in Shrewsbury, let's uh, go and have the Shrewsbury experience. Go and watch a game. <laughs> we did. We watched some football. Uh, we, yeah, I think you put it perfectly saying uh, we turned up, but I don't think Shrewsbury did. <laughs> they lost 3-0 to Peterborough, which is... Um, very unfortunate, but uh, these things happen. It was a shame, but we had a nice pint. We did, uh, yeah. And it was a nice it pint as nice well. Pint. We were like, yeah. mm, this is quite a clean pint, I think is the best a- way. Absolutely. To. Shout out to Hobson's. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better if it was for free. But yeah. <laughs> uh, And today uh, we're speaking to local author Kate McClanahan. That's right. Did I did I pronounce it right? You did, yeah. That's F- right. Fantastic. Uh, we're off to a good start today with this. Um, so, Kate... Uh, first of all, before we get into into the book, uh, are you are you Shrewsbury born and bred? Shropshire born and bred? I moved to Shrewsbury when I was nineteen, when I did my nurse training, and I've sort of lived in Shrewsbury all round around it really ever since. Um, I've always been a Shropshire nurse and stayed within the area, but I actually was was an RAF baby, so we lived all over the place, ah, born in Cyprus, okay. and lived in Stafford and, and Newport, Shropshire. So. So, yeah, I consider myself a Shrewsbury girl, really, because uh, that's where all my experiences, you know, of life really started for nurse training. When it comes to the, the, the county, I feel like each town of this county sort of feeds 
the county in its own way. And I always talk about um, sort of, I feel like Shrewsbury's a very good place for, for art and, and, and writing and, and physical art. And, you know, and then you've got Telford is coming up with music at the moment in, in, in an amazing way. And then you've got all the amazing stuff that's going on with Rocking Horse, with, uh, with, with the filming stuff that's going on there. I feel like there's, there's certain aspects of the county that's sort of bleeding into each other. It's becoming quite a good hub, hub of culture. At the moment, which is great, I feel. I feel like there's a little bit of everything for everybody along this counter. A hub of creativity. Hub of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, does that inspire someone who, who likes to, who is creative in their, in their own right? Um, you can look around you and feel inspiration everywhere. Definitely. I mean, when I don't people watch when I'm walking through the town, I'm looking up at the buildings, you know, the, I've always been loved history. Although I've, I didn't actually take it at school because I didn't like the history teaching. I took geography, but yeah, I really like it nowadays. So, um, yeah, I love the town and I think I got more interested through for the love of Shrewsbury. You know, I got to oh, Lorraine. Big shout out to Lorraine. She yeah. came on the show a while ago. Lorraine, if you're listening to this, by the way, we're well overdue. Her coming back on the biscuit. I remember, right, because um, one of our specialities on this show is is relaxing people, okay? Because a lot of people come on the show and, I mean, yourself, you're like, well, that looks very daunting, that microphone. But within five minutes, we're chilling, we're laughing. It's it's great time. You don't realise you're actually on the show after a while. Yeah. And uh, Lorraine, when she came on the show, she was a bag of nerves. So we did it with Stan Sedman. Yeah. Uh, at her house and we set off and she was like like okay, so i remember like standing on the side of a kitchen sort of biting an l oh my god <laughs> and it was fantastic so lorraine if you're listening i might be coming your way soon oh definitely just a great service to this town right oh yeah i mean fat lorraine designed the book cover did she, um, she designed oh yes that, yeah and what i did is i used the the what do you call it again uh, the, the the thing on the top there the picture on the top yeah. I've forgotten the name now, it's completely gone. She's an artist in Canada, actually, that allows me to use those. But Lorraine did the book cover, and she's done my next one as well, which I'm still only on chapter three, but she's done the cover ready for me. So we are quite good friends. Very specific type of photography that Lorraine's become really good at now, yes. and um, it's kind of her her lean in. Uh, what's the word? Her niche. There you go. Yes, her niche. Um, but she's very talented. Now, you, you, with you living in Australia, Rich, do you pay attention to a lot of things on Facebook, but local groups, local pages? Do you do you keep up with all this? It, Shrewsbury pages, Shrewsbury, or, Shropshire. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I still subscribe to the to the Shropshire groups. Um, I'm familiar with the you know the photo, photography from uh, Lorraine. Yeah, um, and it just helps me keep in touch with home. Yeah. And let me know still what's going on. To keep in touch with the with the people that I may know or the people that I don't know. Um, yeah, so it's it's almost it. It certainly helped me with the transition. You know, of maybe not sort of feeling so homesick, and so I could still keep in touch. And and Facebook's great for that. And not just family, keep in touch with family, but you know, keep in touch with the wider community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think it's important. To, mm-hmm. you, you, you can't forget your roots, can you? You know, no matter where, where you are in the world and Facebook sort of helps that uh, along its way. Um, now, when it comes to uh, your the, the material in your book, would you say that this is a collection of, of you and your experiences through life? I think it is because a, a lot of it is about mental health, past and present. And I've been a mental health nurse now for 34 years, hopefully retiring next year and then just going back part time. So, yeah. Do you know, you're not the first author I've spoken to that's, that's got experience in mental health. Um, Simon Bell is a good friend of ours. He's a colleague, he's an ex colleague of mine and a good friend. Yeah. He's a very nice yeah. guy. He is. Yeah. Um, and I've, I forget, there's another author I've spoken to recently that, that's also done mental health or, or support work in, in some sort of role. Um, what do you think is so popular about that role that, that creates cre- creativity? <sighs> well, I mean, the old buildings we used to work in, of course, a lot of us worked in Shelton Hospital, which is now apartments uh, in town. Uh, the, the, it became very interesting. You'd hear from staff when you were very young who'd worked there for for three or four decades who were talking about staff that they knew were four decades before. So you'd hear what it used to be like. Um, and a lot of us perhaps got interested in that. I know Simon uh, writes about different subjects, but but yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, I mean, we do, we have just recently done an, uh, an interview, me and Simon, but he was the first ever episode of the Shoes of Biscuit podcast. And um, when people ask me, what was your first ever episode? I was like, we talked about genocide. Uh, <laughs> 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 like, uh, but yeah, uh, it, rightly so though, I think you should definitely have those conversations. Um, when, when do you realise that you want to, 
become a, a writer? Is this something that happens later on in life or is it sort of a bit of burning desire of yours for a long time? It's always been there. I, I mean, my mum always says, uh, when I was six years old, a teacher said, can I just have a word? She said, I asked the children to write about um, a train, um, you know, just a little story about a train and mine went over a cliff. I think I've always had an imagination and I think, I'm not, you know, I think coupling together um, my knowledge, I suppose, as a mental health nurse and then researching what it used to be like. So my whole career has been around mental health. I've got an imagination and I love history. So I've combined the three. And and some people have actually, some of the reviews. Can I have a look at the book? Yeah, of course, yeah. So I've had some pretty good reviews um, and people are saying, normally I get fed up with books or I don't really like novels, but because it's a lot about the facts about Shrewsbury, people are liking it. You know, people that don't normally like that kind of book. I mean, there is witchcraft in it, but of course it comes from the cunning folk of Shropshire and of all all over the place that used to be. Um, I mean, I write a little bit further on than uh, when witches were burned or, you know, hung. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I write about families who had other people, you know, because it's often a reverie that went through that. Um, yeah, I'll have a look. Thanks, mate. Um, I always get ribbed by my uh, my co-host for my other show, The Owl and Tom of It All, folks. Uh, make sure you, you check that one out. Brand new, three episodes in. We're having a whale of a time with that show. But he always, we worked together for years, and he's always given me a ribbon because I, I was kind of raised Wiccan when I was younger. Oh, wow. And I feel like it's something that isn't isn't um, considered as, as a contemporary sort of religion or way of being. But it was it's a lot older and was a lot, a lot more widely spread until the Romans came along, you know, and kind of did the, the whole Christian thing. Um, so I feel like it's good that um, there's a lot of stories that are kind of including this, that that kind of um, background in, in a way that isn't like, because I think Vikings did it in a very sort of sinister way with the TV show. They did a lot of uh, ritual sacrifice and, you know, but this wasn't always about that. It's all about care and consideration for the environment. And I feel like that's really important when it comes to, comes to when you think of that kind of religion, that kind of background. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was so much persecution going on. And, and often these people were the only medical care that you could afford, you know, so local people would go to cunning folk for simple remedies to, you know, to cure ailments. But if anything went wrong, they started to get accused, didn't they? And uh, so if, if if somebody lost a baby and or something like that, or somebody died, they'd suddenly be seen as having put a bad spell on them. Um, so what I've tried to incorporate is simple cunning folk, but actually they're a little bit more than that. And they try and put rights and things that are going on in the workhouse. And although it is fiction, there was actually something going on in this because this is a Shrewsbury school now. The workhouse. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, but it used to be a mental health hospital, didn't it? A mental health hospital. Well, it was the workhouse, but it had a mental health asylum on it, okay. which is what I write right. about. Okay. So, so my character, who's mentally ill anyway in the present day, goes back in time, meets her ancestors, but ends up feeling fine in the past. So there's no paranoid delusions and hallucinations going on anymore she's not depressed and she ends up working there and tries to put rights and things that happened so it is a time jump book which aren't always that popular i mean i've always loved doctor who because i've got two lads but (laughs) 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 um but i tried to make it as realistic as possible and i was dreading it the day i put it out i thought i'm gonna get some terrible reviews so far i haven't i've been lucky are there any snippets of characteristics that you've you've put on the on the characters in the book that you've You've got from people you've met along the way. Have you sort yeah. of introduced that subtly into the book? Yes, I've had to be very mm. subtle. Yeah, of obviously course. with confidentiality. Absolutely. And a lot of my yeah. patients, you know, some of them aren't with us anymore. But but yeah, it gave me ideas of experiences that I'd encountered that uh, that I'd seen, you know. But obviously, because I started off going to write about Shelton Hospital, which is where I worked for, you know, until it closed, really. Although I've been in the community, I was always back seeing patients that were admitted. So, um, I tried to do it for that, but ended up going back further. And part of me wants to go back further as well, oh, you know, right. because there was, you know, look, think of the Bethlehem Hospital in London where people were chained to walls and stuff. I mean, it fascinates me. And you know, obviously it's not, it's awful, isn't it, what happened? No, but- I feel like, again, you know, talking about Simon Bell and the conversations we've had on the show before, I feel like you do need to... You do need to have those conversations. But I guess when you're trying to sell a book, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yes. It's kind of like... um uh, not everybody wants to read about that sort of stuff. I, I guess when you when you put subject matter like that in a book, you kind of half your audience yeah. like a warm knife through butter. Yeah, I mean, my mum said she said it took me a while to get into it. I could only read one chapter at a time. I had to keep putting it down because it is quite gory. I mean, there is a scene where somebody in the workhouse who murders somebody else gets 
gets executed. And I do go into detail uh, of where it actually used to happen in Shrewsbury, mm-hmm. uh, which was near Mount Pleasant. You know, the, the grass at the end there, mm-hmm. you probably know about this, where they used to hang people. But I also go into where they used to move the, the horses out the way, really. And um, they're, uh, once their feet, once the horses and the cart have gone, which they're on the back of, they're hanging, you know. It's, 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 I do go into some detail, like the executioner is allowed to keep all the clothes, but often they're not very good clothes, but he's allowed mm. to keep, you know. So try and bring fact into it, and, but keep it fictional. But it's uh, not for everybody. It's not. I always say it's not for the faint-hearted in my books. Um, but just that's, that's kind of right up my alley, to be honest. <laughs> I like a bit of grit in my stories, to be honest. Um, uh, when you, you speak about For the Love of Shrewsbury, obviously that's got a great... Um, connections to Stan Sedman and a lot of historians in town. Yes. I guess being part of that community, you've had access to a lot of historians yes. and a lot of access to actual history to maybe throw into your book. Was that was that a good Definitely. connection for you? Oh, yeah. I went on a lot of the tours that Stan put on with the shuts. I mean, I was just, I, I mentioned the shuts quite a lot and just describing what Shrewsbury used to look like because there's only 20 or 21 shuts now that you can walk through, aren't there, in town, but there used to be hundreds. Uh, which of course is just an alleyway which gets from one side of the road to the other but yeah. you know but I try and bring things in like with the things that used to happen at the King's Head in Mardle and you know uh, the, how the prostitutes used to be chased out by the police and then they come <laughs> through the back and but there's what I've tried to do with this book because it starts off with um, well you find out that she's her and her brother and her mum used to go to St Chad's Church to the Ebenezer Scrooge you know sort of fake prop gravestone mm. um, but actually that's very that comes about in the book and when she goes into the past when she starts to realize that this grave is significant because Lorraine and I have actually Lorraine Fletcher and I've actually sat there trying to find out what the the, the inscription is on the other end because we believe it's a real grave that was just scrubbed off and used as a prop yeah I think it was but then other people say no 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 I know the person that made this it was purely a prop because they did some filming for um Charles Dickens film the Christmas Carol didn't they oh, of course they did the yes yeah just so that they could propel him sort of over the graves, didn't they? They sort of did him on a track, yeah, you know. And, yeah. But actually this gravestone, it's she starts, lots happening there. I mean, I've got I have a description of a rat king. Have you heard of that? A rat king? Yeah, it's when um, uh, often rats will hide in an area and if their, their tails get entwined and it can be through any kind of sticky substance that it happens and they, they move as one. So if you go to any of the museums, you'll see like mummified rat kings and I mean, that'd be terrified if it was alive, wouldn't it be terrifying? But I've it's heard of Bat Kings. Yeah, <laughs> I have. Like, the, the, the original, the original Batman, the original Batman is a Mayan god. I've heard of Rat King Cole. Rat King, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, we went to uh, the Gold Museum in in, in Colombia. My wife's from Colombia, so we went there, and um, they have this. Uh, this effigy of of a, of the bat a bat god and he's got like it looks like a bat and it's called the Batman and so I took I remember taking a picture of it going this is the real Batman folks um, <laughs> but it's very cool I love the idea of effigies so things yes. like that that you know when you think of animals what 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 god would you be like so think about this listeners if you were a god what animal would you represent you know mm. that's a good that's a tricky question yeah yeah yeah. And I, I, I always talk about, um, because I'm not a very religious person anymore. Um, uh, but I always think of like a sort of metaphorical sense of karma. So like, mm. it sounds daft, right? But if you, if, if, if I was like a really snaky person, did horrible, nasty things to people all the time, I'll always be remembered that way. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's kind of what I think about. So be good. Yeah, and it can come back on you, can't it? Can't of course it can. 100%. You, you know? Of course it can. I don't know where I was going with this, and I've completely probably just derailed that conversation. <laughs> no, um, no. But, but you were talking about the Rat King. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. so this is a, this is actually running around the graveyard, because there was a time before they opened the cemetery in Shrewsbury where the, the, the graveyards were getting overflowing because of cholera. So there's a cholera outbreaks in my story, um, and the graves are literally, the, the coffins are bursting open. And at times she sees her dead brother, even though she's in a different century, because she feels so guilty about her brother's death in the hit and run, which I don't think I'm spoiling because that comes out in chapter one. Oh. She was supposed to pick him up. And, spoiler alert. Yep. Yeah, spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. But yeah, so I try and, I've tried to make it, well, it's just macabre really. It's, there's, there's a lot, but that's, I realize that's the way I Again, write. macabre is great in a book. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You've got to, I feel like, do, do, are you a bit edgy? 
in the way you kind of tackle some of these things that you talk about? There's like there are deaths in there and executions, things like that. Do you feel mm. it? And how did you approach that? Did you feel like, ooh, do you feel a bit naughty right in it? Like, I mean, how yeah, that- I did lots of research on exactly what would have happened, you know, what it would have been like and, uh, you know, the crowds jeering and laughing. And I mean, there's, there's a bit, um, you know, where the old market hall, they used to have the, 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 the green and apple market there. The, the, it was all outdoor, wasn't it? So things got contaminated. There was the costard apples, which are actually, um, prickly. They're extinct now. They're sort of, and the costard girls would sell them in baskets and sell the flowers and the watercress. Of course, we've got Butcher Row, haven't we, in Fish Street? Course, and yeah. they'd have their yeah. placards and all of that. But what was I trying to say then? Um, about the macabre and the research you put into Oh, yeah. When she first it starts off in the 18th century, when she finds herself there, like from the, from now, from the present day, she finds herself in a like a Georgian jail initially, and then she there are time leaps. She goes, they go through past the old market hall that we all know, that we love the old market hall. And they've got people in pillar, the pillories, which is like the stocks, but they were huge things and people would throw missiles at them, even dead animals. So try and go into detail about that a bit. But she's hiding under the cart. She's on her way to the workhouse, but she thinks she's going to die. So I try and put in, you know, but lots of details about what would have happened in those times in our town. Wow. Um, but what, what did that do to your mind? Did you do all that research? Did you? Sometimes now, when I walk through Shrewsbury, I just see it as it was because that's so much in my mind. Like, mm. gosh, you know, because there's so many houses that didn't get damaged during the war, did they? You know, like some areas are just desecrated, aren't mm. they? And it's all modern stuff. But me and um, me and Bibbs Cameron uh, from the Civic Society, she's amazing. Does a lot for history here in Shrewsbury. We did a, we recorded a voice tour of medieval Shrewsbury, and that is, of course. Um, round bare steps and that all that area where you describe um uh yeah. and butcher row is that was the center of shrewsbury at the time yeah. and she was like imagine so we're standing on butcher row now imagine this place just stinking of just meat and you know imagine all meat being out for sale with no refrigerators in the heat in the summer imagine yeah. what that would smell like you know and what it would look like all the blood running down the streets like if you think of that and you stand there and you look at it yeah. butcher row you you think yeah could think of it in completely different light yeah. 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 I see it like yeah. that. I mean, there were some yeah. animals were slaughtered there as well at one time before they had the slaughterhouses. Yeah. Especially pigs and things. And yeah, like you say, the blood would run down the street. Um, yeah. And there was an archway at the bottom, which I always see, even though that's long gone, you know, mm. in my mind's eye. No, yeah. don't, don't visualize things. I don't hallucinate. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to. I'd love to time travel. And I think that's why books like uh, The Workhouse Almanac, your book, um, I feel like. They're really important because you, it does take your mind on a wonder. Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Kevin Horrock did the same, uh, with his book oh, as I know well. Kevin, yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it, it does offer a, an insight mentally as to, you know, you can't really do that with a photo. You can look at a photo and go, ah, oh, that's nice. Whereas if you're like really like putting your mind into a book and you're really slowly reading these pages, mm. it can really take you there. Yeah, your your imagination develops more mm. uh, from words on a page than mm. it, than it can do in you know uh, either a photograph, as you say, or even um, you know motion picture. Yeah, you know mm. words on a book just stimulates your mind more. There was a, a thing on Facebook. Uh, it's very famous, it, but it was like a footage from like nineteen twelve or something, nineteen ten or something. It was like footage that they'd remastered and remastered and remastered again until it was in like hd yeah. and it's like at the docks i think it was in liverpool or so i don't maybe Paris, i don't know i can't even remember where it was but i met i watched this footage over and over and over because i was like these people are all dead now yeah this is like a completely different way of life for them this is that it was just like i was mesmerized by it yeah it's fascinating isn't it history yeah. i'd love to go back in time um <clears throat> what I'd like to ask, and this is probably uh, something I, I, a very generic question to ask, is, you know, this is this is your one shot at writing a book, right? This is mm-hmm. not one shot, but like this is your first entrance as, as an author. Why why the subject matter and why Shrewsbury? Why you could have written about anything in the world? Yeah, I think I just thought I'll write about what I know about, so and what I like. So it, it, I mean, the protagonist is a female. Um, she's actually, and it's really strange because I've spoken to other authors since the book started to write itself. And sometimes I was convinced that someone was guiding me or the characters were guiding me because 
I'm a heterosexual woman that's been married to a man for 25 years, but she was, she started off heterosexual and then I had to change it because she's actually gay. Um, uh, but it, of course it was very difficult in Victorian times. Women had to live as sisters, didn't they? And although right. I don't go into that that much, I mean, I'm not, you know, I've, I've made this book suitable for 14 plus. So there's no sex scenes or anything, but there's very, oh, there's see. an intimacy there. That's, that's what you lost me. <laughs> <Alice is out. laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I saw you, I saw you flicking for the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do write about the intimacy between them and how, you know, how difficult it was and how she tried to repress her sexuality as well at one point. But it just came out because normally you write about things you know about, don't you? And I found another author that said, I've started to write about other races as well, even though it's easier to write about your own race. So sometimes you get into research and things things happen. But yeah, Shrewsbury is my passion, mental health nursing, my passion and past treatment. Yeah, see... I wrote a chapter. I always talk about this book. Have you have you listened to me talk about this book many times? I've heard you talk about this mysterious book. I have to show you the synopsis. (laughs) My sock drawer has been there since. I think, in fact, we disassembled the drawers when I lived in Dorling, Telford. Put the drawers back up Mm. uh, in Bellevue. Disassembled the drawers again in Bellevue, and then moved here. And it's still in my sock drawer. Um, <laughs> the synopsis for this book, and uh, one of them is is talking about um, uh, it's a place in Georgia, and the research that went into that was incredible because I did nothing but read about. Uh, I'll talk, I mean, I can tell you off air, but like uh, towns and the way people were back when. Yes, and that's that's yeah. incredibly difficult. Yeah. When you're really far away from a place, so when you can just walk around Shrewsbury, you've got that available to you. So yeah. I, I see that. Yeah, you know, that's easier yeah. to do. Yeah, um, and mental health as well. I mean, mm-hmm. working around mental health, you must have seen changes from when you first started to up until now, and how we treat people, right? Completely. I think when we first trained, we were told if someone starts to talk about their beliefs and their delusional beliefs, you change the subject completely. Whereas nowadays, and and I have progressed. I've, I'm now a therapist, so I'm still under the NHS. I'm still working for the same trust but I do um, more therapies with people. And you'd actually encourage people to talk about these things now. It was like you change the subject, you don't talk about it. And it was very much them and us, I think, when I first started, which wasn't what attracted me at all. You know, I didn't like that side of it. So I like the way it has developed over the years. We've got peer support workers with lived experiences in our teams. Yeah. And they're invaluable for patients that want to know, well, what can, it, can I recover? You know, what is, does recovery look like? Is it possible you know, particularly as I'm in the eating disorder field at the moment. So people are okay listening to us who haven't had an eating disorder. But if you've got somebody that's recovered from anorexia or whatever, it's great. I feel that uh, that, 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 that that peer support is really, really important. And it was something I, we did with the ARC. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago. And we, we were speaking to the guys from Hepat- the Hepatitis C charity, right? So they were at the ARC, at Shrewsbury ARC, offering advice tests and medication for for anybody of that community that might be affected by hepatitis c and one of the guys i forgot his name i think it might be john forget if if, if it's wrong i forget sorry i apologize and he was like i'm an ex-addict i've got hepatitis uh and i I've, I've, i've had to live with this i've had to live with the different changes in medication and how we do with this and he seemed like the perfect advocate to go out and help people you know yeah and that, like I said, that, that's kind of invaluable, isn't it, to have that kind of experience? Because you can't go to someone, right, for your first few years of your of your education, you need to go and uh, test out lots of heroin, uh, get hepatitis C. Uh, you know, you can't go and encourage someone to do that. And same with mental health, um, you know. So, yeah, yeah I can yeah. see that. It's really improved over the years, I think, yeah. Whereas a few years, they were like, uh, on, 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 you know, on, you know, hit the road, Oh God, words and stuff. This is a Shrewsbury. This is Shrewsbury's uh, deflated me today. <laughs> Shrewsbury time. You got a lot to answer for. Yeah, Shrewsbury yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. You've, you're ruining the Shrewsbury biscuit, guys. This is the effect you're having. Um, so it's good to see that those changes um, have happened. But did you look at how bad things may have been when you first started and think how worse could it have got? Yeah, uh, is that. I think so. I mean, the ECT is still around. Some people think that stopped. Electroconvulsive. Oh, really? They still do that. that. Still do it. Still do it. Yeah. And I've always thought, as someone that's attended as a nurse with a patient, blew my mind. Yeah, that that actually I've seen massive improvements. I mean, it's 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 very much a last resort for people that we've tried everything. You know, the, the yeah. medication isn't working. We've given it sufficient time, sufficient dose. Um, it's an intractable depression. The, the, their life's at risk if we don't. 
I mean, when someone's about to go down to ECT, you have to sit with them because they, if they drink some water to make sure that, you know, because you're not supposed to drink before anaesthetic and, are you? Yeah, nil by mouth. And nil by mouth, yeah. 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 And, and a lot of people will be so depressed, they will try and sabotage it for themselves, you know. So it's, it's, it's you know, it's not done as often perhaps as it used to be, um, but things like that do still happen and are still needed. Um, Shelton's gone now. We've got the Redwoods and obviously I've been up there. It's a lot better. People have got ensuite rooms and, you know, yeah. it, it, it is better. It's more purpose-built. But I think a lot of us that worked at Shelton do miss that. Even though you had the Nightingale Wards and I was part of the Shelton Shelton Heritage Projects and also I've set up the Shelton Facebook page. I'm like the administrator. Oh, okay. Cool. And we've got like over a thousand people in that, you know, and some of them are are ex-patients. We just have to monitor carefully that they don't disclose too much if they're vulnerable, but nobody has so far to be fair. And so we've had stories from people like I'm speaking to Phil Williams soon, who's in his sixties now and he worked there from 14 or 15 as a, they used to call it a yop or something, you know, like a youth training sort of scheme. And he said, some of the things I can tell you, Kate, you know, now he's retired, about what it used to be like with the insulin therapy. I love stories. I love things like that. Martin yeah. Wood, for example, our town crier. Oh, yeah. He was. He used to work in the, the, the hospital, when uh, the parade when it was a hospital. And when he came into our studio and we had it there, he was like, oh, I used to work here. I was like, I know, I've heard about these stories, Martin. Yeah. The stories that people like can tell. Oh, yeah, you know? definitely. So we're, we're going to meet Phil and I for a drink and I'm going to record the session oh. and get loads of info. Cause, uh, yeah. When are you doing that? Um, well, we were supposed to do it in January, but everything's just, you know, so it won't be won't be long off. Probably May. Really need to Can come. I come? Yeah, that Can I bring bad. a microphone? Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he'd be fine with that. That'd be yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to get that because we. <laughs> I've been saying this since day one. Again, uh, Rich <laughs> who's been listening in Australia. Uh, we Shane actually came up with the idea of uh, memoirs of a Salopian, which is to gather stories of people from yesteryear, the silver generation, or even the gold generation. Who's about yeah. still, and talk about yeah. how things were back in. I I did. Um, I I sent this this idea to to BBC Sounds. And, you know, going and talking about how life was back then. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they declined it. So something that we can work on, I feel like, by ourselves. Yeah, and if there's a cry out for something like that, and that might be a good uh, good catalyst yeah. for it, you know. It's like Lorraine always says, you know, there aren't many books actually written about what Shrewsbury was like. There's lots, you can find lots of ad lib stuff on the internet, but putting it together as well. And then also the second book we'll be talking about what, what it was actually like at Shelton, our psychiatric hospital, which was there from 1843 to 2012. The good, the bad and the ugly. That's what we need to yeah, say. That's <laughs> yeah, it, well, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's what will attract people to, to, to reading it. No, when they get in the warts and all. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, yeah. Uh, and I gather from, from what you're saying, you're not holding back too much on the details. So. No, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. I have to be careful because I've got to get my pension next yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know you're going to collect your pension next year, but um, it's come to our attention <laughs> that you've uh, re- you slandered the heck out of us in this book. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you haven't, but um, yeah, I, I get the idea. I work in support, so I know... Right, yeah. the, the things you can and can't say I have, oh, to, yeah. I have to dodge 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 things in fact when i went to uh when i went to the arc one of our ex-customers from where i work yeah. came and said hello to me i was like oh hi <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yes uh, it's a very very interesting thing um when it comes to, to mental health is there is there some things that um that you guys are, I wouldn't say shameful of, but when it comes to treatments and the way uh, people are thought of in mental health, way back when, mm. are those those stories that you guys talk about, oh, can you imagine what it was like back then when they used to do this and when they used to do that? We do, we do. Have you, yeah. And have you covered yeah. that in the book? Yeah, th- this is going to be in the second book. So there is stuff in here, which is pre-Shelton, um, where doctors used to just write prescriptions. They used to have to pay for the prescriptions with their own money, but I've, I've gone into that with a bit more mm. detail. But leave it lying around with no labels on. It was often the night staff were drunk. This is at the workhouse, you know. Mm. But, I mean, it did happen probably at Shelton, but Shelton had its own farm. It had its own brewery. It was quite self-sufficient. When I worked there, they had the pig bin still, so... If, when you were scraping the plates, oh, right. they would go into a pig yeah. bin. I mean, I think the farm had gone, but at least to send it to a pig farm. And oh, that's quite cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. So thinking about it, um, I, we used to hear stories that well, ECT used to be given without muscle relaxant and uh, anaesthetic because it would in those days. And yeah. some people didn't 
you know, you, you can have a second opinion. They don't have to consent because it's just, you know. But there, there were things going on. Um, cold showers, hot baths and then cold showers, not in my day. Uh, but having said that, I remember when there was two baths together and I don't know if there was a curtain in between and we'd bath two patients at one once. time. And also there was a shop that sold clothes in the in the grounds um, and the patient shop. I forgot what it was called. There's pictures of it on the Shelton Hospital Facebook page. Um, and we used to go and get loads of dresses and things there and they'd be all hung up and you'd choose one for the patient. They wouldn't have their own personal clothing. Wow. I mean, that's even in my day. And, I, you know, I mean, I'm 53, something like that. Wow. But, you know, I don't feel that old. It didn't seem that no, long ago. Seem, you know. yeah. uh, things have changed in the way that uh, mental health and support and things have I mean, I've been doing it for eight years and things have changed, especially yeah. with mindsets, right? Okay, so mental health, um, especially a couple of years ago, I think maybe things are starting to open up a little bit, bit more, but a co- certainly a couple of years ago, funding was being taken away from from uh, from all kinds of support, whether it's mental health, whether it's drug abuse, whether it's whatever, mm-hmm. all funding sort of seemed to stop. And I think like now, now we're starting to see the, the, the effects of that, you know, because there's, there's certainly crimes up, you know, um, I know Redwood's struggling at the moment. You know, yeah. there's there seems to be like they've pulled a lot of resources away from those play- people that needed help, and now they're crying out for the help and they're struggling because there's a, they're overwhelmed of it all. Yeah. Um. So I know that's there are certain things that again, uh, I'm talking generally, by the way, across the country. So yeah. Don't, yeah. don't fire me. I'm not talking about. Like, <laughs> no. I'm just saying, and you must have seen that yourself as well. You know, it was yeah. it's quite a scary time actually. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I think everyone I've worked with, I've felt as I've had some great bosses and great teams we worked with, and I felt everyone's been caring. And if there was anybody that we saw anything we didn't like, they would, you know, we'd get those be got rid of, you know. So I suppose it's always in every everywhere. There's always going to be somebody that's not doing things as they should. Yeah. I mean, there was that awful thing, wasn't there, in the Shropshire Star the other day about a paramedic seeing I saw money. that. Oh, yeah. oh, that's terrible. Yeah, and then he, he got- saw a camera and put it back, didn't oh. he? And uh, I was um, <laughs> I was joking, I was joking with Kat, my wife about that earlier today, actually, because I was like, the first one of the first things I'm going to do when I hit the record is going to be like, and another thing, <laughs> 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 because this sentence was really lenient, really lenient yeah, for someone that's not a terrible thing. Um, what I was going to, I was going to mention um, the Ch- Changeling, one of my favorite movies of all time, but it's also like, it was, it was, um, I think it was to do with uh, the 1930s LA. Uh, weaponizing mental health care right. and locking people away because they maybe they didn't want them to speak or something like that. Yeah. Um, and the conspiracies, I guess, are juicy, aren't they? People want a good, good conspiracy in a book or they want someone to be like, oh, you can't do that. Is, is there anything that you've included in this that you may have not, not, not I wouldn't say you've heard of because it's kind of very far-fetched in some certain circumstances, but yeah, sometimes it's nice to throw a story like that in a book, isn't it? It's just too... Uh, too tempting. Yeah, because we, we've heard, haven't we, the royal family, there was two um, people that were put away years ago. Because, of course, when I first started at Shelton as well, there were people with learning disabilities there. There was one woman that had been there since she was really young. I'm going to go by the way. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm jumping around now. But yeah, one thing are. I have put in there, there was, there was talk at the workhouse that there was a baby – um, trafficking thing going on um, oh. because there was a lot of unmarried mothers that would go in there. And actually, they were made to wear... Um, prostitutes were made to wear yellow and unmarried mothers who were pregnant were made to wear red. So I found out lots of things like that. Whether it was just local to Shropshire, I don't know. But um, I've actually got a big storyline on that, how the workhouse master was impregnating these poor young girls and the, the refactory was a bit underneath, like a dungeon underneath the workhouse, which is probably just used to store things. And, you know, there's a mortuary down there. And But, but I, I've kind of like, without spoiling too much, got a storyline on that, but managed to cover myself so that I'm not saying that's what happened. Not incriminating anybody or anything. No, hopefully not. <laughs> no, but I feel like, yeah, that's that's good. I, I hit that on the head. That was that was good, uh, good investigational uh, technique there from myself. Yeah. Well done, Wiley. Well done, well done, well done. Uh, <laughs> um, so tell us about the Workhouse Almanac then, without spoiling it too much. Mm. Um, what can people expect when they pick it up to read it? 
they're going to hear the story of Jasmine, and I named her after my niece, actually, my brother's daughter, um, Jasmine, who is nothing like her, the character, but how she goes back in time. She tries to make amends and atone for what she feels are her past experiences, how she didn't save her brother, Joe. And, but there's a Joseph in the story and she thinks she might be able to save him and she finds love again. And, but it's about how she learns that actually she's got, she can harness some of her powers that she's actually got witchcraft in her. Yeah, I don't know, you know, so, so, so they find out, they try and put things right. The other things that are going on, like the baby trafficking and the, um, just the way people are being treated. So. No, probably not saying it very well. But what I try to do is try and make. Oh, you're doing well. It sounds great. Yeah. It sounds do, Mad Jack Mitten's mentioned. I mean, do you remember? You've heard of probably heard of him. He's um, the Mitten Hotel on uh, the yes, old A5. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He kind of had a room there, but he was crazy in his time. He was like an aristocrat, but he was um, he used to ride bears through the living room and do all sorts of things. What does he do? And there's loads. Can you of stuff. imagine if you're super rich back then? <laughs> what can I do? With all you, you would definitely do that. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, like you. Back in the day when there's no TVs, you can't just you could be like, "What can I do with all of this money? I don't know. I'm going to get a polar bear and ride it through the garden." <laughs> yeah, could do anything, couldn't it? But I incorporate his funeral going over the old Atcham Bridge. Um, that they they meet the funeral corsage because it did go past that hotel, which okay. was the, one of the last places he lived. But he was buried in Oswestry. So uh, to actually incorporate that into the storyline and a bit about Darwin, Charles Darwin. Unfortunately, the one place that won't take my book at the moment is the museum shop, sort of, you know. I thought they would, but I've got to convince them. I've given a copy, I've emailed them. They're saying it has to be about what we've got going on in the museum at the time. And I said, yeah, but we've got all this about Darwin. It was a festival of Darwin this year. Dickens, Great Expectations being filmed. This book is about... Um, Which I've yet to see, by the way. I've heard the... The bad oh, reviews and great expectations that was filmed. The Tom Hardy thing that was filmed here in Shrewsbury. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've not seen any of it either. Yeah. I like yeah, it. It's not made over to Australia yet. <laughs> no. Uh, I like it, but it's very different to the book. It's, you've got to be prepared, haven't you, to sort of think, oh, well, it's an adaptation on it. Like Peaky Blinders, it's the writers of Peaky Blinders, isn't it? And that yeah. you know, glorifies Birmingham gangs, but I loved that as well. So Yeah, I like the grittiness of it, I did, the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I, like, I like that you didn't know what was going to happen next, you know. I liked, what I liked about that was I used to listen to it when my wife was in bed because I worked nights, so I'd stay up to like three o'clock in the morning ready for my night shift the night before yeah. and I put my headphones on and listen to it like that and you know there's always that scene where you walk through the steel the steel mills and stuff and you'd hear the got <laughs> the fire behind him yeah. and with my headphones on oh my god that sounded so sexy it was like you were at the cinema you could oh. feel it like that's why I liked it yeah. mm. Dolby stereo like. it's very immersive <laughs> very immersive yeah um, uh. speaking of being really immersive um, how hard is it to paint the picture of Shrewsbury. How, how hard does it take the reader in your own mind as you're writing it and drop them right into Shrewsbury as if or into whatever environment you got them in, the workhouse, whatever you. How is it? How hard is it to paint that picture? I found it all right, actually, because I take them through the journey of the streets. So there's lots about Mardle, where the prostitutes were, and that's on the night of the show. So she goes to the show and she's all dressed up and I describe the old-fashioned Victorian dress she'd wear and everything that used to go on um, at the show. And they go back, they're going back to the workhouse that night and they encounter drunks and prostitutes. And so you get to know what Mardle was like. You get to know what Butcher Row, Fish Street, the old market hall, the quarry. Um, and, you know, they, they used to say um, there was lots of houses built on the back of the front shops that were like, they were just like hovels, really. And then yeah, they were like pulled yeah. down. Well, she meets um, one of the character's great aunts who lives there. And it's so dilapidated, this cottage. She, you know, she, she's small, but she ducks to go in and she looks around and it's awful and it's damp. But they invite her upstairs and, and it's beautiful upstairs. And she's like, what? And they've whitewashed the walls and there's all this, she's, she's a witch. She's a white witch. So there's all potions and things up there and tables full of candles and things. You might, you might like that bit, Alex, because, you know, looking at the wick and bit. And, um, so I've, it's very magical as well. It's very, you know, I mean, it's, I've described it's historical fantasy fiction um you know because it's there is a lot of fantasy and witchcraft in it yeah. but hopefully it's done well i've done proper spells in it that i've looked up i didn't just go i haven't got the imagination probably to make me <laughs> <Yeah. open up. laughs> 
But so, yeah. it's, it's good to include that into, I mean, I feel like I had an idea, right, years and years and years ago. Again, I probably shouldn't say this on the show. Someone will steal it. But if you steal it, if you're going to write it, do it well. I had the idea of uh, writing a story about the Napoleonic Wars mm. and taking a, a, an English soldier and a French soldier and starting them off at different points in their, in their, in their, and then meet them up in the middle, right? Like and then they swap places. Yeah. Like they have yeah. a, like a mind swap thing. So the French is in the body of an English soldier and the English and the French soldier. And they learn about each other's cultures and stuff. And they're like, why are we doing this? And yeah. it's all about, yeah. So that I like, yeah, I like the idea of taking something that is traditionally historical mm-hmm. and adding an element that kind of lets you sort of dive in a little bit deeper. Yeah. Like, you know, some sort of, whether it's uh, something to do with the occult or whether it's some science fiction or something like that, you know, yeah. uh, so you can sort of dive in deeper and sort of almost eavesdrop. Yes, yeah, what it was like then. Yeah. Well, I did get some feedback off Bloomsbury. I don't, I'm, I'm like one of these strange people that tried to go to all the big publishing houses to see how oh, I got okay. on. Mm. And um, actually, Nigel, God, I've forgotten his second name, but um, Nigel, who actually... Um, got got the Harry Potter books going, got his chief editor in charge to have a look. And he said, the only thing is, Kate, you've got two books going on here. You've got a history book and their fiction. So he gave me loads of tips on how to do it. But they always say, don't bother coming back to us there. I don't know if you know, that's the etiquette. All right. You can't go back. Like, oh, I've done what you said. What do you think? Will you have another oh. look? So I, there are other people I can try for my next book because I think if I – I love Amazon. It's great. It's, it's done me well. But um, if I can get off Amazon because I'm having to – buy all these at author's price and take them, distribute them to the shops as well as working full time. And, oh, and then, wow. I, you know, uh, oh, another thing I wanted to just to plug as well is the Shrewsbury Library Writer's Lab. Writer's Lab, yeah. I'm in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't go as often as I should because I can't really because of work. Well, I've actually got a few days off soon. So I was thinking because they asked me to speak there. It's like, Joe's great. And he's like, maybe you should come and do a talk. And I was like, yeah, but I don't oh, yeah. really, I'm not a writer. And he's like, yeah, but mm, okay, whatever. That'd be brilliant. So yeah. I, I don't know what I'd say to a room full of authors. The people are much, much more cleverer than me. You know what I mean? Uh, so you've got lots of journalistic experience. Got, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm just a chatterbox. That's all I am. <laughs> that would be great you should come yeah um we should we should hook you up with some local offers keep because i feel like um you know with you being all the way in australia oh yeah mate. australia by the way that was so funny last <laughs> week we were at uh attingham park at the the field of play yeah oh. and we had the kids so um timmy and and, and and rich's kid and they went running off and we were like right we've got to grab him again so rich goes running up the hill to grab his kid yeah and, I, and he's like right we're, and i shouted right we gotta go kids <laughs> and rich turned around and he was like that was mortified <laughs> really everybody could hear me and he was like yeah. that was terrible i was like <laughs> i know <laughs> well yeah, yeah. Maybe, because i feel like uh, local literature where it mm. comes from like, yeah anywhere in Shropshire. <laughs> Um, it kind of not only does it keep you in the loop, but it lets you know who's creative. Yeah, you know. no, absolutely, and I'd, I'd certainly, you know, be interested in in having a having a read of this uh, the the workhorse almanac. It sounds interesting. <laughs> like you know, take me back into olden days, Shrewsbury, but with a you know a, tw- a twist to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The, the writers' lab is is a great place because there's also great advocates for. Um, you know, uh, Laura from Raven, yeah. Raven Bookshop, um, yeah. in, um, in, in the, in the market hall. Um, and there's also, uh, Penguin Books as well up on yes. Fish Street. Um, Caroline. Caroline's great. She's so brilliant. Yeah. Like her and Violet Fenn, I think we did a podcast together. And then we started talking about something, something to do with feminism. And I was the, I was the only bloke in the room, of course. Yeah, and I was kind of like, yeah, but what about? It was like it was like a kung fu movie. Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. Um, but yeah, there are great advocates for. They are. They're all stock in my book, which I was really pleased about. So um, number sixty one, which is where one of my friends Emily Warner does her jewellery. She makes rings like this, which I are think great. Follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty yeah, sure. she probably does. She yeah. does the Raven. Um, of course, I've got the name of it. But if you look up Emily Warner, she does beautiful jewellery there and doing really well. Oh, fantastic! But they've got some of my books there as well. But ah, yeah. Right. So it's just work to do next, whether to try and get it in Shrop- all over Shropshire, because I think some places maybe like Ludlow, Church Stretton might want it, you know, like to... Well, we got listeners in, 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 you know, people that own businesses and stuff. So maybe if you're, if you're listening to this and uh, you would like to stock the workhouse on Almanac, um, uh, please get in touch. How can people get in touch with you if they did? 
on it? So, um, you... Well, I'm on Facebook with my name, uh, Kate McClanahan, author is the name of the um, page. Um, I'm just trying to think how else. Um, is there an email? Have you got a website? Or is I haven't got a, a website yet. But people keep offering to do it for me. But yeah, I've got an email, which is, um, it's actually written down in here somewhere, Kate McClanahan, author at gmail.com. But it's, it's whether people can spell the name, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, sorry. Yeah, it's M-C-L-A-N-A-C-H-A-N. Um, but yeah, if, if, if you're, if you, oh, just get in touch with me. Yeah, I think it's on there. And actually, uh, get in touch with me and I'll get in touch with Kate. Um, yeah, so it's Kate McClanahan uh, dot author at gmail.com. So if you've got a business and you want a, a local author, um, a local book um, to be featured in your store, please uh, get in touch because it, it is important. And it doesn't matter where you are, actually, in, in Shropshire. Um, you know, if you're, you're someone in Ludlow, uh, stock the book because I think, you know, it's great. And do you have a lot of exposure to other authors in, around Shropshire? Are, are, is there a good community of you guys? Yeah, I mean, I contacted Kevin recently and we had a chat and he was giving Horrock. lots of advice because yeah. he said, what I need is my new, my own ISBN number and then I can get it sort of more widely spread and things like that. He gave me loads of advice and I went to see him at the market. He had his book. Um, Mildred the Crazy Cat Lady. Yes, yeah. And I had a chat and bought his book. And yeah, so meeting lots of local people, um, especially through the, the Shrewsbury Writers, the Shrewsbury Library Writers Lab. And, but also on, you know, I mean, I've got 2,000 followers on Facebook, but I've realised that you kind of have to follow each other. It's follow me, follow you. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and in the end, they're not necessarily people that will buy your book. So I'd rather yeah. connect with authors. <laughs> that's uh, that's when, when so, uh, you know, when it comes to setting up podcasts and things like this. So, like, for example, right, um, the Alan Tom of it all, we started off a brand new podcast. And what people tend to do is they invite all their friends to the Facebook page yeah. and all their friends to the Instagram page and start following it. Follow, give me a like, give me a like. And then you end up with nothing. No likes. Nobody looks at your stuff. So the Alan Tom of all is sitting there now. I think we've got like 20 followers on Facebook, 13 on Instagram, but we're getting way more likes on our posts on Instagram than you would do if you had like hundreds of people. Yeah. It all works yeah. on who wants to actually be there? Yeah. And that's really, really important. So if yeah. you're if you're starting a new podcast or you know anything, uh, do not invite all your friends and your family to your Facebook page because they'll just sit there and do nada, nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and that's really, really important. Um, yeah, Kevin's great. We'll have to get him back on. I haven't had him on, on the show for a long time. Oh, I'm Kevin Hark. Uh, he's a great guy. I love him yes. so much, honestly. He invited me to, um, he's, he does a lot of gigging, um, in town. Um, DJ Foxy. Yeah. Um, uh, but he's always on a, a night when I'm either recording or working. So oh, we'll have to, yeah. we'll have to sort that out. Um, what's next then? You're you talking about book two. Yeah, I've started writing them on chapter three and it's probably going to be called Shelton, Shelton Lunatic Asylum. I'm a bit worried about putting the word lunatic in, but that's what it used to be called. And I think probably more more guide people towards it than than not. You know, yeah. people that are interested in, in that kind of writing. Yeah. Uh, was it? I was watching. I was watching some old news footage, and they said oh, I was a bit of a lunatic, and he was on the news. And I was like, as if they just said that, like <laughs> describing someone, and they're like, well, they think he's a bit of a lunatic, and I was like, wow, they didn't really didn't care. So I feel like if you put that there, that's yeah. kind of like. It's 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 speak of yesteryear. It's yeah. like it's like um okay, so the great analogy is uh young people are now apparently uh offended by friends. Yeah. How? And well, the, friends friends of the T V show. Friends of friends of T V show. And um I'm like, well and we were talking about Roald Dahl as well, me and Tom Bruno, I was talking about but that was like that was the language of the time. Exactly. Yeah, you like, can't. Yeah. I, I'm like dead against the rewriting. I just, well, not against it, but I just, I am. I'm totally against it. I feel like you should <laughs> never like take yeah. a like uh, and you, you can't know, rewrite history, right? So we, we talk about uh, the anti-drag movement, weird anti-drag movement that's going on in Florida at the moment. I'm not going to say America because it all seems to be Florida. Uh, you have to go back far as far as uh, the Romans. Or Greece to stop that from happening, so uh, that's just not going to happen at all. So no. You wanna... <laughs> no, we've had statues pulled down in certain places, haven't we? Because it was 
it symbolised slavery or, you know, bad things. Yeah, yeah. Don't they want Clive of India removed from the... Yeah, I feel... I just, I'm kind of on the fence with that one. I feel like it shouldn't be moved. It shouldn't be pulled down. It could be moved. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a symbol of uh, this is what happens uh, with oppression, folks. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Like, this, this, this thing did happen. I don't necessarily feel like it should be, like, thrown in the river like they did in, in Bristol. I feel like these these are... It's almost a, it's almost a martyr thing now. Mm. Okay, so this is what happens when someone... Um, uh, profits highly off the of the the trade of human beings. This is what happens. Um, put it in a museum or something, uh, or find a way to positively tell that history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think if you can't, if, you know, you can't erase history, obviously. But and even if you could, then you wouldn't learn. Exactly. You wouldn't learn from the history. You wouldn't learn from the mistakes, and yeah. the, and those mistakes would d- indefinitely repeat themselves. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Statue of Liberty really is a should be offensive to all British people because uh, the, the French were like, "Thanks for helping us get rid of the British." <laughs> Here's a giant statue, and that's literally what it is. Uh, so, I mean, like, if you wanted to get like absolutely, you know, with, with statues, are, are the British going to go and pull the Statue of Liberty? No, we're not. No, no, <laughs> In fact, we're all there taking pictures of us trying to hold it up or whatever. You know, yeah. Um, I, I think I think what you're doing is great because it's very creative. It's inclusive when it comes to, you know, uh, the witchcraft side of things um, and also mental health. Mm-hmm. Really, really important that you're doing it and you're doing it locally as well mm-hmm. um, because um, I don't feel like there is a voice for people, a lot of people with mental health issues at the moment. No, I don't think there is. It's a lot better than it used to be. There was a real stigma um, in the past and patients notice that all the time and, you know, whereas now... Things have changed, but, but, but yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. And I'm definitely an advocate for mental health. You know, I've always yeah. been there for my patients. You know. Um, this is why I openly talk about my, my social anxiety an awful lot on the show. I, I do it on purpose, really, because it can be debilitating at times. It, it can really, like, really affect me. Um, and in fact, it can be quite embarrassing when, you know, because I do, I am quite professional with the biscuit. You know, I've had a few problems with my scheduling over the last week. But when it comes to like who I speak to and and the things we go out and about and do town, I do come across. I, you know, but like if I'm going to an event, I'll pace the room, I'll change my outfit, I'll write notes, I'll then leave the notes at home. <laughs> I've wrote them just out of panic. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. things like that. Like, and I feel like um, the more I talk about it, and the more you write about it, and the more we're all talking talking about, about it. it yeah. The more it comes into the conversation, a lot easier, you know. Yeah, yeah, it breaks that stigma. I mean, on the way here, I was sat in the car, and I actually feel a bit sick reading in the car off my phone. But I was thinking, I'm just gonna have a look at my reviews again because what if he asks me about the book? You know, because <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds stupid, but you can you feel like you're gonna go blank, you know. And I think we live in a very stressful times. You know, we talk about you talked about your children. I've got two boys that went through COVID. You know, in their one at uni and one at last year in school and I think people have been really affected by it we've had a lot of people with eating disorders through you know through COVID by trying to get healthy because there was no PE and you know they've developed it but it's not just COVID is it we're in a society now where certainly when I was at school they didn't care whether you passed or not but now there's so much you know pressure put on young people it looks bad on the school if you don't do it you need to work harder it's, yeah, it's, it, it's 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 not it's not good for for developing young minds no. to put that that much pressure uh, you know on them and it shouldn't necessarily be about uh, the, the sort of um, uh, uh, the sort of grades that they're getting but more about the journey and the process um, yeah. you know to get where where they need to be. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of pressure, isn't there nowadays? Um, I feel like we are making the right the right moves in the right direction. I feel like people are trying to pull us back, but I feel like we're, I think we're, going, we're kind of strong in our stance. I think when it comes to empathy and compassion, and, and you know, thinking of others, I feel like I feel like we are making a move in that right direction. Yeah. Um. So I, I am I am feeling positive about the future. Um. But it do, it doesn't stop me from getting angry when I see some horrific comments. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, <laughs> Kid Rock shooting uh, rainbow flavored uh, cause lights because uh, they're they're too woke. I don't know, but yeah. Um, yeah. it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's it's um, it's very encouraging to see the the reactions to to things like that. Um, mm. But uh, Kate, honestly, thank you so much for coming on the show honestly I've, i feel i love getting in the mind of an author especially especially with um you know the, the whole mental health background because it is really important to see that you're taking those experiences and putting them into good use 
Do you thank know what I mean? Thank you, thank you. Really enjoyed coming on. It was it was great as well because it was a bit last minute today, wasn't it? I was invited. It was. That was great. <laughs> we had uh, we had, we rescheduled this morning. Um, uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll get those guests on again. But I wanted to in, in, include uh, a podcast today because I wanted to get you on, Rich. Because oh, shucks, thanks. Because you're going back to Australia soon, Monday. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be heading home. Yeah. 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 Are you looking forward to getting home? Or is it mixed emotions? What's oh, up? yeah, it's always mixed emotions when I leave because obviously, you know, I love I love the area, Shropshire. Obviously, my friends seeing 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 the Pod King in action. The Pod King, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, it is it is hard to leave. Obviously, leaving you know leaving family and stuff like that behind, and but I know I'll, I'll be back. You know, it might take me a few years to get here again, but um, you've always got the Shrewsbury biscuit as well, exactly. That. <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. I've got that to enjoy on the um, But no, seriously, thank you because you took, you literally took the Shrewsbury Biscuit to, to Australia. And I don't know whether that's from you or whether we've done it organically, but we have got a uh, steady uh, listener base in Australia that's now. That's good to hear. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Which is great. So if you're listening to us in Australia, I know you are, by the way, because I see you. Um, <laughs> that's, a, oh, that's it. That's yeah. what I was meant to ask you before we sign off. Analytics. Are you living by analytics at the moment? Are you check it every day? Do you- I do check. Not every day now, but unfortunately, it is nearly all. It's t- the moment, it's all United Kingdom. I had a little bit of the USA. The book has gone to friends in Australia and New Zealand, right. but not been purchased over there. So, but there's there's Amazon.co.uk. There's Am- there's lots of yep. different ones. So some of my reviews aren't even showing up on the UK side, but they've been done by people. You know, so it's a bit hard to tell. Here's really. here's, here's here's a test then, right? Okay, so if you're listening to this now. What I want you to do is go, if you're in Australia, we'll, we'll use Australia as an example. Okay. If you're listening to Australia, and whatever countries you're in, right? Let's see. Ah, yeah, there you go. That's even better. Mm-hmm. Let's see how many countries we can get uh, Kate's book sold in from the power of this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you're listening to this podcast now and you bought a book on the, pace, on the power of it, write on your review on Amazon on the power of the biscuit the power of the biscuit yes. right on your review and we'll know that you've listened to the podcast and you've gone out and bought a book i definitely would love it if somebody in australia right now could uh, buy the book and write the power of the biscuit at the bottom of your review exactly. that'd be great yes. wouldn't it and if you get one you have to let me know okay I will. <laughs> <laughs> on the power of the biscuit but the power of the biscuit i'm going to put on the readout as well so make sure you, there'll be a link on the readout of this podcast hit the link buy the book buy the power of the biscuit on the review here we go. Oh, thank you very much for really plugging it for me. No, it's great. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Rich, for being a, uh, our guest co-host. Thank you for having me on and being a pleasure talking to you, Kate. Really has. And to you, Rich. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Both of you, thanks. Um, we will catch you guys next time. Thank you. If you're tuning in uh, to The Biscuit for the first time, make sure you give us a follow. We're on uh, Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on um, LinkedIn, we're also on TikTok. We're everywhere you can be. Um, so give us a follow. Um, and make sure if you enjoy this episode, just give it a share with your friends. Uh, a bit, a big, a bit of a nudge in the right direction is 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 really, really appreciated. And those likes and those shares, uh, they mean the world to us. They really do. So, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one, guys. Thank you. Peace out. By the power of the biscuit, that was a fantastic episode. I really enjoyed that one. Um, it's really nice sometimes when you just hit record. And you forget you're doing a podcast. If that makes sense, you're just sitting there chatting. And um, those are the best episodes, and that's kind of what that was there. Um, of course, within the first five minutes, people are really conscious of the microphones and stuff. And, um, uh, you know, it can be but within five minutes. We have great conversation. We're laughing. We're joking. And people tend to forget. So it's that's the kind of vibe I got from that. So thank you, Kate, for A, coming on and being a great guest and B, for coming on such short notice as well and delivering a great, a great, um, a great podcast. Honestly, I really enjoyed this one. Um, uh, the, the workhouse almanac is, is fantastic. Um, so please, uh, again, buy the book. And by all means, go to Amazon and write a review that says, by the power of the biscuit, and wherever you are in the country, um, uh, uh, Kate will get the uh, the uh, analytics on that, and it'll tell her where in the country you've bought it. So let's see how far we can get this spread, shall we? I know you guys are around the world listening to the show. I see you guys. I see you. Um, so just do us a favor. Do Kate a favor and do something nice um, there. Right, okay. So I've got to tell you guys about a couple of events uh, that we've got coming up um starting off with uh dirty rocking scoundrels an evening with the dirty rocking scoundrels um it's on the 13th of may 
Uh, now this is uh, this is going to be such a good event. We're going to be uh, I'm going to be doing a Q and A Q&A with one of the best bands in the UK. In, in, in I keep saying in the UK, and I do you know what? I genuinely mean that in the UK. The Dirty Rockin' you can have it, guys. The Dirty Rockin' Scoundrels. If you've never seen the Dirty Rockin' Scoundrels live, uh, you're you're honestly in for a treat. Take my word for it. And if you have seen them, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it's at Shrewsbury High School. Uh, it's on the 13th of May, and it's only £10. And it's, you're going to have an evening of great music, um, great inter- audience interaction, and we do the Q&A, the bar's cheap. It's over 18s only, over, any, over 18s only, but it's a cheap night. Get a babysitter in, come out, have a great time. And as well, when you come out, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be raising money for a great charity. Kate Vaughan is going to be doing the, the London Marathon, raising money for WizKids, a charity that helps disabled children um, uh, they uh, to get access to wheelchairs, walking frames, and whatever they need to, to become uh, independently mobile. Um, and so that's what that's for. Um, so you'll be helping a great charity. You'll be going out having a great night, enjoying some great music, and you'll see the, the, the biscuit guy. But I will be there as well doing my thing. So uh, make sure you get that in your calendar uh, ready. Um, so that's an evening with the dirty rocking scoundrels. Now I'm just have, what I'm doing now is I'm having a look on my calendar to see when this is going to be released. Um, okay. So 29th next weekend, we've got drawn, we've got drawn, which is happening at the flax mill. Um, that this, that, that whole weekend, um, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a gathering of some of Shropshire's finest artists. I think Charlie Adlard has even said he's going to be doing stuff there. There's going to be stuff for the kids. Uh, there's going to be um, uh, lots of art on sale. Um, and we're going to be there as well, doing lots of videos, lots of interviews, lots of. Uh, we're going to be doing so much with that. Uh, it's a free event. Come along and come and buy some art. Uh, come and speak to artists. Come and get inspired. Uh, that's drawn. And uh, there is a Facebook page for that as well. Just type in drawn. You'll see the beautiful orange logo pop up on Facebook. You can click on that, give it a follow, and you will see lots of pictures and stuff coming up from the event. You'll also see the event right there as well. So that's drawn. So that's two great events and a great podcast we've got for you guys and a book as well. There's a book there you can read and enjoy if you really, really want to. Um, I do highly recommend it though. So anyway, I'm going to leave you guys. You've heard my waffle now for over an hour. <laughs> We'll catch you guys next time on the Shoes of Biscuit podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Peace out. Mm-hmm.